This is What Book Hooked You? I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. In this episode, I talk to Stacy Filak, whose debut, The Queen Underneath, comes out on May the 8th. So in this conversation, we'll talk about some of the books that were important to Stacy, and also how a technician from Google became the first person Stacy thanks in this book. So listen in. So, Stacy, what book hooked you? Well, um, I've been racking my brain over this question, and um, th- of course, there are you know a hundred different answers I could give. Um, but the one that I settled on was *The Thornbirds* by Colleen McCullough, um, which of course dates me as a really old lady. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was probably. 13 or 14 when I first picked up the Thornbirds. I don't know what my mother was doing while I was reading that, (laughs) but um, it was for sure the first experience I had with um, like an epic sort of, um, you know, an epic story on a grand scale, the whole family dynamics and, and the sensual, you know, sexual tension and the whole forbidden nature between Maggie and Ralph. And um, I was hooked. I knew there was something, you know, I, I probably read it three times when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and from there, I certainly branched out. And, uh, you know, it's it's really not the type of book that I write now. Um you know, is not very similar to that, but I definitely can see where my roots go back there. You know, the things that I loved about that book, um, you know, and the fact that there was this aspect of Maggie as a, as a woman and as a mother, um, and, you know, just this very feminine side of her, but also she was tough and she was, you know, she held everybody else together around her. Um, so I, I really, I guess, part of me, you know, has held on to that all those years. Yes. So I would say that that's the book that hooked me. And so with The Thornbirds, was this, you read it around when you were 13, was this kind of your first book that was more adult or what were you sort of reading normally around that time? I started reading, I guess, what you would consider adult, you know, novels probably around that time I was about 10 or 11. Um, I had devoured what would now be called the YA section in my tiny little town's public library. Um, it was mostly uh, Babysitter's Club and um, Sweet Valley High and, you know, all of those sort of high school, you know, melodrama, tiny little, you know, snippets. Um, and I had devoured those by the time I was probably nine um, and so at some point the librarian said, well, you know, you could check out something over here. And so I, I wandered over the adult section and the very first book that I remember, um, clearly was, um, a Robin Cook novel, um, which was very science fiction-y with, you know, geneticists and, and things like that. Um, and, I'm not sure that I really understood what was going on, but I fell in love with it. You know, I fell in love with the 
it was so much deeper and there was so many more pages and there was so much more um, excitement. Um, you know, I, I keep trying to tell people my age when they say, I don't see how your book is YA. I keep saying, well, this isn't our YA. Our YA was much different than what YA is now. And uh, I think it's all the better for it. I think that, you know, teenagers are way smarter than we give them credit for. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. And so as you were then kind of as this preteen venturing off into the adult section of of uh, the library, reading the Thornbirds, at what point did it occur that you, to you that you wanted to be a writer? You wanted to create stories of your own? Oh, I think I knew even before then. Um, I was I was probably hooked on creative writing um, from about fifth grade. Uh, it's funny. I my fifth grade teacher um, was supposedly the meanest teacher in the school, <laughs> and uh, so the day that I found out that I was in her class, I went home and cried and it was very dramatic because she was mean and it was going to be terrible. Then she turned out to be the best teacher I ever had, you know, in elementary school. She was amazing. And she, we did creative writing every day. And I happened to stumble recently across a piece of writing that I did in her class in fifth grade. Um, and it was totally a ripoff of Back to the Future um, fan fiction. <laughs> but I think that's where I, you know, I uh, I think that's where I got the bug was probably in her class. We we did a lot of um, sort of just free writing, you know, write a, write a story with your friends in it, write a story with, you know, whatever. And so I think probably around the time I was, I don't know, 10, probably, uh, I started to really um, delve into writing. And then I, for a while, I thought I was a poet and I would, you know, uh, wander off during sleepovers to write, you know, deep thoughts in <laughs> right. the corner. You know, I was that girl. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think it was always, always sort of in me. I can't remember a time where I wasn't reading. Um, and I, I always liked to tell stories. Um, and I think that, you know, probably around the time that I was in fifth grade was when I really um, realized that I could, you know, create whole stories. We've talked about uh, The Thornbirds and how that was a very important book to you. Once you had read that book uh, and you're moving more into your teenage years at this point, do you remember other books uh, that happened a little bit further into high school that were memorable or important to you or just books that you really came to love? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I went through a pretty serious uh, obsession with Gone with the Wind for a while. Um, I, I, I think I read Gone with the Wind four or five times during high school. Um, and then they came out with the sequel, you know, and uh, that was a little, it, I didn't like it. I wanted it to go back to the way it was. <laughs> I did a huge research paper my senior year in high school where I compared um, books that had been made into movies. Um, you know, I read the books and then I watched the movies and I compared, you know, the ways that, um, cinematography could change, you know, your perception and how the book was always better, but you know, um, what things movies could do well. Um, and so I read a ton of, um, Michael Crichton 
and John Grisham, and um, that was right around the time that Jurassic Park would, um, had just been made into a movie. And so, you know, I, I went through his whole catalog of, of all the um, books that he had had made into movies. And um, I also read a lot of um, Hemingway in high school, um, partly for uh, assignments. Um, but then I, I almost sort of tortured myself with it a little bit, you know, um, I had to find one that made sense to me, you know, and, uh, eventually I did, uh, the winner of our discontent, uh, really sort of won me over, you know, I can, I can forgive Hemingway for some stuff because, uh, you know, I thought that that book, you know, uh, uh, earned his redemption in my eyes. Um, and another book that I really loved in high school was recommended to me by one of my absolute all-time favorite teachers uh, was The Last Picture Show. Um, and again, that's a really old book, even older than I am. Um, but that, again, there was some really um, sort of mature themes in that book. Um, it was in a small town and there was, you know, poverty and there was all kinds of, you know, socioeconomic things going on but then there was also you know these um burgeoning sexual relationships and and you know a high school student is having an affair with an older woman and um it was again it was something that i had not seen before this very realistic interpretation of life and i think that when especially, you know, 25 years ago when I was a kid, I think a lot of the the grittier side of life was hidden from us. It wasn't out in the open the way that I think, I think kids are so much more informed now than, than I was at that age. And so I think that that was part of what drew me to stories like that was that there, it seemed like a secret. It seemed like, somebody had been keeping this information from me. <laughs> and I guess along the same lines, uh, Children in the Attic came out. At, well, I, it was probably out before then, but everybody I knew was reading it, all the adults I knew, my mom and my aunt, and everybody was reading it. And so, of course, I had to sneak it. And and it was not that great of a book, but it was scandalous. And so, therefore, it had to be amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. And so then... After high school, you had, you know, it sounds like you had kind of consumed all these books uh, and you mentioned how you were writing in some fashion, some shape or form. What role kind of after high school, after, you know, the English courses and things like that, what role did books play in your life after that? Okay. Um, well, directly after high school, I went to college for a few years um, and I was studying English because... I assumed if I taught English, then I could therefore read whatever I wanted for the rest of my life and it would be fine. And I never thought about that whole, you know, teaching part of it. Sure. Um, but uh, at some point um, during college, I got married. I had a baby. I um, did not continue my education. Don't do that, kids. Go to school. <laughs> um, but uh, I... I was always still a, a, a devout reader. I mean, I always had, you know, stacks of books. And my house is still, to this day, overflowing with books. 
Um, so for a long period of time, from the time I was in my early 20s um, until probably my early 30s, I books became part of, you know, sort of my outlet to the rest of the world because I, by the time I was 32, I had four children mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I had, you know, for many years had stopped writing um, because I was raising my kids, uh, but I read, I read all the time. I read to my children. I read the first Harry Potter to my oldest daughter when I was pregnant for her. So she heard Harry Potter in the womb. Um, and, you know, and to this day, you know, we have this bond over Harry Potter. We've gone and seen all the movies together every time they came out. And, you know, whenever anything new comes out about Harry Potter, she calls me. She's at, she's away at college now, but, um, you know, we still, there's this bond. And, you know, I think that books do that, you know, this shared experience, you know, in the same way that if you share a certain life experience with people, you know, you'll always have that connection. I think sharing a book with somebody can do the same thing and, and sharing that story can create this bond. So, you know, for for a good 10 years, books were, you know, basically something that I did for myself in whatever free time I had, but more so for my, for my kids. You know, we we devoured, I can't even tell you how many, many books. Um, and I'm very grateful to have readers. My, my kids are all readers. So, um, so that turned out well, I guess. <laughs> yes. And so then what event or at what point, uh, did you rekindle your interest in your own writing? Probably about six years ago, a friend of mine, um, was taking a poetry course, um, at a local museum and he said, you know, you should, you should check it out. He said, you know, at, at that time I had started basically just blogging sometimes, uh, you know, very, very sporadically and nothing, you know, substantial, but I had, you know, written down, you know, if I wanted to rant about gun control or if I wanted to rant about, um, you know, the bears not making the playoffs or, you know, (laughs) um, I, you know, I would use that space to do that. And and so he said, you know, I've read your blog. I know you can write, you know, come out and, and check it out. And I, again, had not done anything for myself in 10 years. And so I said, well, maybe I will. And my husband pushed me out the door and said, yes, yes, you will go. Um, And so I went to um, this poetry course, which I took for uh, over the course of probably a year and a half. I took several courses um, with the same small group of people. And I remembered what words could do. Not only did I remember what words could do, but I remembered that I was a person outside of being these children's mother. Sure. And um, and so it it sort of sparked this thing in me. And so for a while, I was just doing poetry with my poetry class friends. Um, and then one day I said, guys, I'm really not a poet. Like, this isn't this isn't what I you know, in my heart of hearts, this isn't what I want to write. And they said, well, write what you want to write. So the next day or the next class, I came with 28 pages of a manuscript. <laughs> and they said, oh, <laughs> so I um, took my manuscript and went home. And over the course of the next couple months, I finished my first draft of my very first novel. Um, 
it did not go anywhere. It will never go anywhere probably, but, um, but that's okay. It taught me a lot. And then I finished a second novel, uh, which happened to be the sequel to the first novel. So probably also will never go anywhere. Um, but again, in the process, I, I learned how to tell a story, you know, and how to, how to, um, you know, get from point A to point B and also a lot about rejection. You know, I, um, I had started querying that first manuscript as all writers do. Oh, I finished a book. I have to do this. Um, and you know, I got many, 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 many no's and that helped, you know, that helped to thicken my skin and, you know, and I realized I want to do this and I'm going to figure out how to do it right. So that book, what genre was it? And were there any books that you were kind of inspired by that you kind of were modeling your writing after? So it was fantasy, like straight, um, you know, high fantasy magic and uh, hero's quest. And um, if anything, I would say it was a little wheel of time. Like it was very straightforward. Um, You know, there is this heroine, she is the chosen one and, you know, all kinds of things will happen around her, but, you know, she will, the the story will, you know, center around her and um, nobody else is really fully fleshed out because they all want to make everything better for her. And, um, but yeah, so it, it definitely had its flaws, but I think, um, yeah, I would say Wheel of Time, um, there was definitely some Lord of the Rings inspiration there. You know, I mean, I've, I've never once written a story that didn't have um, swords and magic in it. Mm-hmm. I probably never will. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, everything ties back to Tolkien. And I was sold on fantasy from the minute I met, read Mist of Avalon when I was 19. And, I, you know, I don't think I can ever go back. <laughs> and so you had that first book and, the, and its sequel, uh, that kind of got you training and it's kind of led to and influenced uh, what is your debut, uh, The Queen Underneath, So, which comes out on May 8th. So let's start by talking about that and t- give me kind of the synopsis of what the book is about. The Queen Underneath takes place in a city um, that has been divided through political um, intrigue. Uh, the The above is ruled by a king and he is sort of in charge of the nobles and the merchants and the very um, acceptable area of society. And underneath or the under is uh, ruled by a queen who she's in charge of the um, assassins and the thieves and the pirates and the mercenaries and the sex workers. And she basically provides for all the poor of the city um, you know, the, the king is only worried about his wealthy, you know, counterparts, um, and she takes care of everybody else. And one day, um, the queen and the queen underneath and the king are both assassinated. And so their heirs um, have to sort of meet up and figure out what to do now that the world has fallen apart around them. Um, and they, you know, have to trust each other despite the fact that they've 
never had to work together and, you know, really don't agree with each other most of the time. Um, and so that's, that's where it, it, it starts. And um, you are introduced to a whole plethora of uh, somewhat unwholesome characters from under. Um, I am very much an anti-hero kind of girl. So um, there aren't very many of my characters that are, you know, white bread, you know, you want to take them home and meet mom kind of people. But uh, they work together and um, new relationships are formed. Um, Unexpected relationships are formed. There's betrayal. There's bloodshed. There's magic. And so what was sort of that initial idea that you had that got you starting to write uh, the queen underneath? So it's going to sound really cliche. Um, I, I very clearly remember it was summer, probably July. It was hot and we'd been working out in the yard and we came in, it was a Sunday and I had taken a shower and I laid down on the couch. Um, and my husband was reading a book and I fell asleep and I took a nap and during the nap, I had a dream and I don't remember any of the context of the dream, but the image of these dark tunnels. And then there was a door at the end of the tunnels that was made completely of gold and just very ornately done. But the tunnels were rock. I mean, there was no reason it was so incongruous that they should be together, which, you know, it's a dream. So obviously it doesn't have to be, um, make any sense, but I wanted it to make sense. And I woke up with this image in my head and I thought, okay, I don't know what that was, but I have to figure it out. And I, I went to the, to the computer and I wrote the opening scene of the queen underneath. And, uh, then I didn't know where it was going to go at all. I had no idea. (laughs) Um, but I am, I don't outline, I'm terrible at planning. Um, so I just went for a ride and, it ended up going where it went. And so you you mentioned how, you know, you, you tend not to write, uh, you know, the characters in white and uh, the glistening holy uh, figures that yours are more dark and, and stained and, and complex. Uh, is it more you just kind of, those are just more interesting characters or you just kind of have always sort of root, rooted for the Darth Vader's and, and kind of uh, seeing them as being a little more interesting than uh, the Superman's of the world? Well, I think that they're definitely more interesting. Um, but I also think they're a lot more realistic, you know? Um, I think, you know, I've read a ton of Stephen King and I think Stephen King is an amazing, amazing author, but he only has white hats and black hats and he he doesn't write the gray hat that sometimes does selfish things or sometimes, you know, um, makes bad decisions or sometimes acts out of rage or, you know, any of those things. They're, they're either very good or they're very bad. And um, I think that most of humanity falls somewhere in the middle in that gray area. Um, and so I, I think I'm drawn to that place in the middle. Um, you know, I certainly wouldn't root for Darth Vader to win and the Emperor to win and take over the, you know, the whole uh, 
galactic empire, but um, I also don't think that Luke was as squeaky clean as he appeared to be, you know, and if he was, then he, I don't think he could have done what needed to be done. And so uh, I have a copy, copy of your book and in your acknowledgments, you, uh, the first person you thank is a guy named uh, Hutch, I guess is, is how you would pronounce yes. it. So yes. So tell the story about why Hutch is the first person uh, thanked in this book. Oh, maybe one of the worst days of my whole life. Um, I was 65,000 words into the first draft of The Queen Underneath, and I knew that it was going well. I could feel that it was different than anything I'd written before. And um, I was writing along one day and blue screen of death pops up, right? Um, And it's happened to everybody a million times. And, you know, and I had been a good girl and I had saved, I had backed up to the cloud. However, I was using Scrivener um, at the time. And I did not realize that Scrivener was not really compatible with um, Google Drive. So I didn't realize that until I went to retrieve my manuscript from Google Drive and it had saved incompletely. And basically all I could get was gibberish and 65,000 words of gibberish. (laughs) So I immediately called everybody I knew, you know, anybody who knew anything about computers, please save me, please find my book. Nobody knew anything. Um, we, I, I tried everything. I tried all the backdoor things. I tried everything to find it and it was just gone. Um, so finally a friend of mine who, who, um, works on computers says, just call Google. That's what they're there for. And I said, you can call Google. (laughs) So I did, I called Google and a gentleman named Hutch took my call, probably thought I was an insane person because I cried through half of the conversation. Um, but he, uh, managed to help me from the, you know, deep, dark corners of the internet, retrieve one copy of the book. I couldn't, I couldn't save it. I could only print it. It was, I I don't know the technical reason why, but basically he could push it onto my computer. I could print a copy and then it disappeared again. So for, um, a good period of time, I only had this hard copy. It was completely unformatted. It had been turned into a, you know, all kinds of um, confusing mess, but the words were there and he saved my book. Um, So that is why I told him then if anything ever comes of this book, if it is ever published, then I will put you first in my acknowledgments. And so there he is, Hotch's first in my acknowledgments. And thank goodness for him. My goodness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and the second part of that story, which is not in the acknowledgments, is that a week after that happened, when it was only 250 pages of paper, my house caught on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And so here I am pushing my kids out the door, carrying my 250-page manuscript, and it was all loose leaf, and it's going to, I'm just thinking it's going to blow away, and my house is going to burn down, and it didn't. Everything was fine. The house, we, we had a very small bathroom fire and it was put out and everything was fine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, it, that manuscript tried to die a few times. My goodness. <laughs> but luckily it didn't die. 
And it on, didn't die. And on May 8th, it'll be, uh, you know, kind of out in the world. Uh, and given, you know, obviously uh, the journey that you've taken and, and the obstacles you've had to overcome, what does it feel like to finally have, you know, kind of reached this this goal that you may have had for yourself where you're going to have a book out there in the world for people to read? It's super surreal. Um, I know it's happening. I mean, I've held a hardcover copy in my hand. I know um, it's going to be there, but it still feels very sort of, you know, at any minute I'm going to wake up and it's not going to be real. And I'm just going to enjoy it while I can, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep writing and hope that the next one is, you know, successful and the next one after that. And, and I hope people enjoy it. You know, I, um, I think it's fun. I think it's a fun romp. Um, but you know, I'm just going to enjoy the surrealness as long as I can. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, a few questions then as we wind down. The first one is, uh, and you wrote a research paper, so that you should be right on. This should be right up your alley. What is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Uh, I had a hard time thinking of these. Um, my gut reaction is Shawshank Redemption. Okay. I think it's just mind-bogglingly well done. Um, I had a hard time choosing between Shawshank Redemption. The Green Mile is also amazingly well done, um, and. And then probably one of my all-time favorite books is The Time Traveler's Wife. Um, I didn't love the movie nearly as much as I loved the book, but I will still watch it every time it's on TV. (laughs) And then the next question, what book or series are you willing to admit that you've never read or never finished? The Chronicles of Narnia. Really? I've never read them. And... Now I kind of don't want to because I loved the movies. I thought they were, you know, um, so magical. And so, you know, so now I just want them to live in that movie place in my head. Very good. And finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Oh, um, the last great book that I read was I read Children of Blood and Bone which was fantastic. Um, But I think everybody has heard of that and knows that it's fantastic. So the one that I read before that, but I don't know if it's as well known, is um, An Enchantment of Ravens by Margaret Rogerson. And it was, the only word I can think of is delightful. It's Mm -hmm. um, a fairy tale with a very subtle um you know it's not an active um adventure story but it's very it builds and it's just oh every time i think about it i just get all warm and fuzzy because it's just such a great book <laughs> Wonderful, that's great well stacy uh the queen underneath comes out on may 8th uh and i wish you and the book all the best thank you and that does it for another episode of What Book Hooked You. Special thanks to Stacy Filak for joining me. Her book, The Queen Underneath, comes out on May the 8th. I hope you'll check it out. And if you've enjoyed this episode, 
I hope you'll check out some of the other great episodes we have with some amazing authors. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading. <laughs>